On this episode of the Dudes and Dads podcast, we talk with Ian Edwards about his story. You're listening to the Dudes and Dads podcast, a show dedicated to helping men be better dudes and dads by building community through meaningful conversation and storytelling. And now, here are your hosts, Joel DeMott and Andy Lehman. Joel DeMott. Hi, you don't look like you're in studio with me. Andrew Lehman. You're not in studio with me, are you? No, I'm uh, uh, coming to you from a hotel room in an undisclosed location. <laughs> wow, that's always interesting. <laughs> Just for the record, I'm the only one here. <laughs> okay, all right, yeah. <laughs> so, Hi. well, Hello. welcome. As as, <laughs> as you all can see, we are Joel is not not in studio with us today. Yeah, yeah, I've got so uh, just to let our, uh, let our listeners know, um, I, uh, as many of you know, I'm I serve as CEO for Big Brothers Big Sisters of Southern Lake Michigan region, and uh, really excited. We've got a meeting with all of the executive directors and CEOs for Big Brothers Big Sisters in the whole state wow. of Indiana tomorrow. So I am down in Indianapolis actually, and going to have a going to be spending all day with those good folks. So excited about that. That's what I'm here for. Uh, Andy, I, as we get to the top of the show here, and as we start, I've just been thinking that maybe we need to like add uh, at the beginning of the show to, to kind of uh, like a better hook, like something to draw people in sure. more. What would that um, hook be? Well, so here, just like, uh, like to create some drama, to create some tension, to be, get people at the edge of their, on the edge of their seats. I mean, drama, oh, drama's good, you know? right? So like starting the show off with like, you know, we, you do your opening like you just did, like here's our guest. And then I come on and say, and also on this episode, we find out who Andy's real dad is. <laughs> or, I mean, or, uh, or which, by the way, your real dad is Chuck Lehman. He is. But yes. people don't know that. So it still creates the sensation of being on the edge of their seat. You wow. see, like maybe we didn't know what we thought we knew or or something like uh, or on this episode, we find out why Andy is terrified of sour cream. Uh, wow. Or is it cream cheese? It's, it's cream, it's cream cheese. cheese. That's why I was really thrown by yeah, loop there. Okay. On this episode, we find out why Andy's terrified of cream cheese. All right. That's, I like it. Let's do it next time. Yeah. So that's that. I just wanted to get you uh, prepped for that. Like that's <laughs> that's what I kind of to add add suspense. Sweet to the show. The none of suspense in this show, Andy. Uh, and none of our listeners have ever told me that, but I still feel it. I can feel it from them. <laughs> Uh, they want more suspense. They want more, more suspense. Well, I'm at the edge of yeah. my seat. I'm at the edge of my seat. But <laughs> to break that that suspense, we have feedback from a listener from our last episode, which I want to remind you is the end of the light documentary about pornography. And so, Joel, can you read that feedback? I for would me? love. I would love to. Yeah, it was super great. So, hey, our friend and our friend and faithful listener, Andy. I think it's fa- fair to say, yeah, friend absolutely. and faithful listener, huge order of the show uh an og an og to the show was was an early adopter which we we know those kind of people are special because when this show started off andy let's just be clear if you were supporting us it was um, your mother or my mother one of the two uh, yes correct yeah it was our moms it was our moms and 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 our wives sometimes sometimes yeah 
so no, our good friend uh, Ty Miller uh, wrote to us, hey brothers, absolutely love uh, that you had one of the creators of the Into the Light uh, on due to the other being sick. Yeah, so hopefully we get to talk to both those guys at one time someday. Uh, so glad you had him on the podcast. Speaking about pornography, it is in my opinion one of the most needed items which should be discussed by men over nearly all the other aspects due to just massively dehabilitating uh, destruction, the dehabilitating destruction that it has on and through nearly all aspects of a man's life. Not to mention struggling with some of uh, pornography, not to mention struggling with some form of pornography is about as common amongst men as sin is itself. Yeah. Uh, I can personally still remember the night I left my house and my bride of less than a year with a trash bag of clothes and the keys to my truck, having zero clue if I was ever going to be allowed back uh, uh, into my life. My wife had discovered uh, pornography on my computer that night. In the days, weeks, months, and years which followed, and are still occurring some of the most powerful, re- uh, and are still occurring some of the most powerful resources were thanks to other men and women at times who have been willing to either sit down with me personally and talk record interviews themselves or possibly in literature, in literature form as well. Thank you uh, to both of you for bringing light, no pun intended to a discussion, which can never be discussed enough. After all, like I tell men that end up talking to me about pornography, our sinful addiction can only thrive in the darkness and we must drag it into the light uh, to God daily. God bless brothers of mine. Ty, man, we love, first of all, first of all, uh, a brave thing to share here. And we uh, don't take any of that for granted. That's a really amazing thing. Um, So thank you, Ty. That's encouraging and helpful. And we hope it's helping others. Uh, And to your point, it's a big issue. And we know it's a big issue. And so that's why we bring on who we bring on. And uh, so. For every tie out there, we know there are others. Yeah. And so absolutely. we thank for the encouragement. Super great. Absolutely. Super great. Absolutely. Uh, tonight we are going to be chatting with Ian Edwards. But first, I want to remind you that support comes from Everance Financial, helping members invest in what lasts through financial services with impact. More at everance.com slash Michiana. Securities offered through Concourse Financial Group, Securities Incorporated, Memra, member, F-I-N-R-A, S-I-P-C. Well, I did tease it. We are, uh, Ian Edwards is on with us tonight. Ian, welcome to the show. Glad to have you here. Yeah, thanks. I'm glad to be here. Uh, you had to sit through all of our, <laughs> all of our banter. <laughs> You're probably wondering what yeah. did I signed myself up for. <laughs> but yeah, you were yeah. actually, well, it's a, I mean, we, we, we've given him a warning in a way. So we'll see. Right. And, and so you're yeah. actually in Joel's seat tonight. So you get to take that, nice. that spot. You, I gave him the upgraded seat, Joel. I figured let's not put him on the, on the guest seat. Let's put him actually in the nice leathery, whatever Jack, whatever thing that yeah. is. Yeah. Yeah. And now that you mention it, when we do have guests in studio that we, we, the seating needs to, improve. we should give him the better seat. Nothing yeah. says, nothing <laughs> says like, we're happy to see you uh, like a, like a hand me down of a hand me down of an office chair. Uh, hey, at least just, uh, at least we don't have the, the couches that were in the youth room at one point that, <laughs> that that's true. That'd be bad. Intense, no one, no one wants to sit on those couches. Moral pattern. Yeah. <laughs> no. Yeah. They stink like several <laughs> teenage boys. <laughs> but, 
Anyway, Whoa. welcome to the, story, the show. Uh, I've had the chance to get to know you. Um, you are the youth pastor at Clinton Frame. And uh, so I've got a chance to know you. Uh, I'm not, well, I'm not working with youth anymore. My kids are all in the youth, well, almost all my kids are in the youth group and have had nothing but good things to say about you. So I, uh, I, and I've heard your story both uh, at the pastor's retreat a little bit, you know, as we talked, you know, a couple, you know, like one-on-one as well as um, when you shared your story here at Clinton Frame. So um, if you want to just kind of start out wherever you feel like starting out and we'll kind of ask, go you from there. So welcome. Sure. Thanks. Feel free to ask a lot of questions. Um, Absolutely. My story can be a hot mess <laughs> <laughs> as far as knowing where to start, uh, which elements uh, to showcase God working in my sure. life through my story. So um, let's go back to 1994. I was 12 years old. So you do the math later if you want. <laughs> <laughs> well, just so you know, in 1994, I was starting high school. So nice. Yeah. So yeah, 94. Um, I was at a vacation Bible school and I just, I was at a place in my life where I was seeking, I, I was not getting what I needed at mm -hmm. home through my parents. Um, and the gospel was presented So It was, it was a logical step for me. It was, it was really simple, but I felt like, um, going to God, starting a relationship with Jesus was just kind of going home. Mm -hmm. It was a safe place for me to be at, not like the home environment I was coming from. So um, at that time, I had been five years into my parents having been divorced. Um, there was uh, sexual abuse happening in my life. Um, watched and participated with my dad with drugs and alcohol. He would, um, he would have full-on pornography on, on the TV and, and not really bother to change the channel or, uh, I guess, pause the VHS yeah. tape. <laughs> At the time yeah. um, when I came in the room, so it was it was really my dad doing his own thing, and I was just kind of a an inconvenience sure. to him at the time. So. Well, and at, at twelve too. I mean, even just the the parents separating—that's a huge thing and for you to take in and try to deal with as as a twelve year old. Yeah. So absolutely, yeah, I think my my kids are uh, eight and nine now, and just thinking of them having their mom and dad in a different home, mm -hmm. it's, it's horrible. Yeah, and then and then not to to mention just when that happens, then as, as parents, you know, the morals that your dad may have may be different than your mom. And like you said, you know, it, yeah, it just yeah. kind of goes spirals down from there. Well, that was the weird thing. Uh, so all that stuff, plus some cool stuff like firearms and hunting. <laughs> um, but, uh, with dad, uh, but mom had me in church every time the doors were open, mm -hmm. uh, really, uh, demonstrated Jesus to me and, and her lifestyle the best that she could. Sure. I suppose that that's, even confusing to you because you have one parent who's living this life of being at church anytime the door is open. And then the other one who's exactly opposite of that. So it's for you to decide like what, where do, where do I stand in this? That's gotta be hard. Yes. So, uh, I, I like that you guys were speaking about the, the pornography issue. That's, that's rampant mm -hmm. in, and men and some women too, mm -hmm. <laughs> but men for sure. Um, so that lifestyle I grew up in that they, I learned a big word called ambivalence where you, you're, you're loving something, but you kind of hate it at the same mm -hmm. time. Um, a foot in both worlds and definitely, um, had a foot in both worlds. So loving God, growing in Christ at the same time, just steeped with sin, sin life, piled on my shoulders. 
told do you have any you, you look, you look well, yeah. like you're, you're like you're very like deep in thought so i thought you had a question no, there. Like, I'm, it's, like, it's weird because i'm sitting here i'm like i'm like watching this like a tv show it's like and i'm like oh <laughs> all right i'm you're participating i'm also <laughs> here participating right so you know ian when i when i when i hear that kind of the beginning of that story i i do wonder um like did did you well i mean so mom and mom and dad how old were you when they when they split up i was seven you were seven yeah so um and uh like so as you're you're growing up, are you you're shared like equal time between the between the oh, yeah. two houses? It, it was so goofy. I would be four months with mom, then four months with dad. While wow. I was with one, it was every other weekend with the other. Wow. So, which was a different school system each time I switched as well. So that's got yeah, that's gonna be rough. Oh yeah, it's about I think seven or eight different schools growing up is is the count I have. So how yeah i mean wow i that's that in of itself is uh a massive challenging thing so like what did friendships look like for you in that in that season and like how you were developing those and all of that so in the midst uh, of all that yeah all that other stuff absolutely so a lot of that stuff was secret and i didn't tell anyone so i went to school as my my normal quote-unquote normal self um I got bullied a lot. I didn't fit in with uh, the, the popular crowd, the in crowd, and I grew to resent that crowd, actually. Uh, even today, I struggle with uh, um, endorsing brands or, or anything. I have to wear plain clothes and that kind of thing. But um, honestly, until I discovered the social aspect of drug use, I was bullied. Mm. And, and then once I stepped through that door, um, maybe around 14 or 15, uh, moving to a new school was no problem because mm-hmm. I found my people immediately. They knew what I was all about. I knew what they were all about. Yeah. You, you said at 12, you were participating with the uh, drugs and alcohol, yes. but it wasn't until like 14 that you were social about it. Correct. Is that correct? Okay. Yeah, absolutely. All right. And so I guess what, what changed there? What made you come out of, of, the uh, you know, hiding and going into into public in your public into like a social aspect of that. Um, I really just didn't like myself. I Mm -hmm. didn't like the guy that got picked on. Mm -hmm. I had tried sports. I was okay. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Yeah. Um, I started getting sort of good at wrestling and football. Um, but at 15 I broke my leg Mm. and then I was completely done. It was a nasty break. Um, cast for 12 weeks up to the crotch it was horrible (laughs) wow uh yeah so wheelchair and everything and i got picked on for that sure that's and and that's tough especially yeah yeah, going back to the fact of your parents being separated so you have this already fractured like system family system and then you have on top of that you're throwing youth you know being mean to you also then too yeah kids kids are cruel yeah definitely (laughs) So uh, go ahead and continue. Um, wow. So I guess from that point on, I, I kind of continued. And then obviously, as I got older, things became legal for me to do, mm-hmm. the, especially the drinking and the bar scene. Um, I had done so much by the time I was able to legally buy alcohol, though, that um, I was actually in the waning years of my drinking phase. Um, and it was bad. Uh, I remember 
uh, my 21st birthday, the, the next day at work, I, I was sick it, and mm-hmm. it, it was just all about competing and, and seeing who could take the most alcohol and, um, you know, uh, sex at the time mm-hmm. was a big part of that. So, uh, you know, that was just another notch on, on the, on the belt. Um, so the drugs, the alcohol, the promiscuity, I guess mm-hmm. you could say so. Yeah. Yeah. Um, did you have a question? Sounded like it. Yeah. I, so it, I think, and this is a conversation that I have, you know, I, with my, my wife and I have had this conversation where we're always thinking about our own children when it comes to like risk factors and, and, and particularly, you know, in my years of youth work too, like you're always concerned about that kid that um, they're, that doesn't quite fit in in a way, right? Like doesn't have a a place or their group or their tribe. And they keep on looking for that. And you can tell that they really want to find that because we all want relationship. We all want community. And I think it was really telling, like when you say, like when you go to a new school, like you knew right where to look in terms of finding a group of people that were, you know, using drugs essentially um, and abusing alcohol. Um, what, like, as you think back to that experience, um, like, how does it in a certain way? Cause I, I want to, you know, keep on like following through your story, but like, even right now, as you think now as a, as a father and as a, as a youth worker and all of that, um, how's, how's it shaped your approach to like, you know, maybe even raising, like raising your own kids and and the kids that you lead and are looking out for and trying to like advocate for, um, now in your, your later years of life. Yeah, that's a great question. Um, the ironic thing is one thing that has all done for me is, um, when I see the students that have a stable family life and their parents are financially stable as well, and they love each other and God is a part of their life. I actually am turned off by that. Mm. in my pursuit of students. It's like, you know, you guys are good yeah. to go. You don't need me that much. Yeah. You, you know, Jesus already, you know, the Bible, you know, um, you're comfortable. Um, and I almost see students like that almost as if they're arrogant. I know it kind of mm. sounds funny, but um, when you've been forced into humility your whole life, uh, you see this, this overconfidence that comes naturally and it's a good thing. And, and this is just my woundedness speaking, but mm-hmm. um you, you see that almost as a form of arrogance. I was just explaining that to someone the other day. Um, but my niche, um, especially in ministry, is is to find those, um, I guess you could say, marginalized students. Um, and I feel like it's one of the gifts God has given me that I can see woundedness in others. So I can see they're struggling socially. They're not fitting into the group. Um, I'm I'm just pulled towards them. I want to be their everything I can, mm-hmm. you know, if, if they allow me to be their dad or their friend or, um, represent Jesus to them or, or even speak truth into their lives about scripture. Um, that's my jam. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah. So, so moving, moving on, continuing to move yes. on, you know, you're legal list at this point, you're legal, you're 21 ish. And you said that, you know, you're, you're kind of at the end of your drinking necessarily, Right. Yes. Let's step forward on that. What what happens next? Okay, so uh several trips to jail. Uh, um 
one final trip to jail uh, last time, <laughs> knock on wood. <laughs> um, I was, uh, geez, 23, 22, 23. Uh, I had moved away to Detroit all by myself to take a big fancy job. And <laughs> uh, a friend's band from out of town was at the local bar. Too much to drink, got pulled over. Uh, it was my second DUI. Um, so long story short, I lost the great job. I had to move home. I tried living with friends for about a year, alcohol free, but I, I still wanted to uh, dabble in some other areas. Mm -hmm. um, I had an AA sponsor at the time who told me that doesn't count as being sober. <laughs> so I got angry and quit AA. <laughs> um, uh, so I, I did that for a year, moved in with my mom and stepdad. Mm -hmm. um, very humbling to move back in with your mom sure. at 23 after having successfully right. paid your own bills and been out on your own. Um, and they were, uh, they were in a place where they were looking for a new church. So I joined them on that mission and we found a place in, uh, in the Dwajak, Michigan area. And while we were there, the pastor gave a sermon and he talked about being in sexual bondage. So as you can imagine, I, I, I haven't really touched on this, but you could probably imagine I'm pretty steeped in pornography mm -hmm. at this time. Uh, my other vices were all gone. I'm, I'm chemical free. I'm alcohol drug free. Uh, I'm trying my best not to be promiscuous anymore, but the pornography was a big sticker for me. Mm -hmm. And he gives a sermon on sexual bondage. After church, I go to see him and I wanted to just get more from him. Like, hey, that, that's me. You were talking about me. I get to his office. He's gone already. And his wife is sitting there and, and she said, well, what do you want to talk to him about? <laughs> no, sorry. And uh, this woman uh, pushed me so hard. I, I finally spilled a little salt. I must have. But uh, the next words out of her mouth just floored me. He had just left for, uh, it's called a SALTS conference, and that's an acronym for Survivors of Abuse Leadership Training Seminar. And I was just floored that I go to see this guy about this very specific, particular thing, and he's away at a conference getting training for how to counsel and work through childhood wounds with mm -hmm. people exactly like me. Wow. Um, so he came back and we met up. We went through a great book by uh, Dan Elder, uh, The Wounded Heart. I strongly recommend that. He um, uh, counseled with me chapter by chapter. And after about a year's time, I ended up uh, prosecuting my abuser. Mm. Uh, and the pastor was the, the very first person I told about the abuse. So the abuse had stopped maybe 16 years prior. Wow. And I just kept that all in. Um, but I told him he went with me to my house, um, helped me tell my mom and my stepdad, who were just both incredulous. Mm -hmm. This man was uh, revered in the in the family, just looked up upon. Everyone loves him, kind of a thing. And and then to hear all this, it was just devastating. Sure. So, um, but by that point, I had got my hands on literature, and uh, I was just so aware that uh, I'm starting to see this. Find out the same guy had hurt both of my sisters. Wow. So um really glad I went forward with mm -hmm. that. It was, it was very healing for me uh, at the same time, my relationship with God, God grew quite a bit closer. Awesome. Yeah. Very, very cool. So then moving forward, you, I mean, obviously now you're the youth pastor here. How did that 
that whole transpired, not necessarily here, but like going from losing your job in Detroit and then moving back in with your parents. But how, like, how did you end up where you're at today? Yeah. So I started the college journey. Um, I, I did manual labor and <laughs> I know you can go to college for manual labor, but, um, <laughs> I, I got a degree in precision machining and, uh, I realized I don't want to hang out with a bunch of guys in a dark room and make <laughs> math jokes for the yeah. rest of my life. <laughs> so I went back to school. I was going to be an elementary special ed teacher. Um, halfway through school, uh, married at this point, uh, my wife lost her job. So I quit school and started a construction company. Um, my shoulders started giving out, my, my knees, my back. Um, there were days where I couldn't walk unless I had a cane. Mm. Um, and I kind of just frustrated, crying out to God, hey, what do you want me to do with my life? This can't be it. I, I, I physically can't do it. So um, I'm away on a spiritual retreat weekend. Uh, there was one for teenagers one weekend and another one for adults the following weekend. It's just a great ministry I've served with. And I'd been on the before and I, I knew what to expect uh, as far as the spiritual atmosphere. And I went into it praying, God, Use this time, this, this special time that's unique to speak to me and tell me what you want me to do with my life. Mm-hmm. Um, on the second weekend, in the last hour of the weekend, I was supposed to be answering questions on some panel discussion board, but uh, closed my eyes instead. And I kind of just saw these neon lights in, in my head, like a, like a sign flashing, go be a pastor. And uh, opened my eyes, super excited, like, wow, I think that was God. <laughs> Started driving home a little bit later, and I got another message that said, you are a pastor. So, again, just pretty much cried the rest of the way wow, home, yeah. got home. I, rem- I remember holding my wife in the kitchen and just sobbing to her that I finally had this confirmation that I knew what he wanted me to do with my life. and you know, all the woundedness and all the garbage that had happened, he was going to use and, and redeem. Yeah. That's very cool. Yeah. I, I think, uh, <laughs> like there's, uh, there's an interesting uh, component to, you know, in ministry calls to ministry, they sound, there's, you know, some are, I, I know mine was, much i think much more subtle than uh than yours and other other people have you know they have all different kinds of uh experiences with that calling what i think what's so interesting uh is that you have these just these series of um considerable challenges heartaches uh abuses all of all of these sort of things that um, I'm sure for many people could have kind of taken them out of even considering that they would go into something like that. And so like, I, so apart from your wife, I'm just, I'm wondering like who came, I'm guessing someone came alongside of you to like discern what that was going to look like for you as you move forward. Yes, absolutely. I went to my pastor uh, immediately and told him what happened. And he suggested I go to three men I knew would be objective with me, but men that I looked up to in the faith and basically run it by them, see what they said. I went to my wife's dad. I went to my stepdad. 
and I went to another pastor friend that I had and uh, the first two, I, I kind of knew what they were going to say, <laughs> but when I went to my stepdad, I was really worried because he's always told me to be a teacher and I see you as a teacher and he's not a man of many words. So when he speaks, you really pay attention. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and he more than affirmed the calling. Um, and in as emotional way as he is capable of doing, he, he affirmed my calling. So, um, within a week I was signed up, uh, over in Mishawaka at, at Bethel, now Bethel university, <laughs> Bethel college back then. Way um, back when, way back when. Yeah. Very cool. Yes. Very cool. And then now, and now you're here and now I'm here. Yeah, absolutely. Very, very cool. Uh, well, you know, really, we really enjoy hearing people's stories, you know, life stories and seeing how God uses them. And when we're, you know, and your story is, is really awesome. Just being able to hear, you know, that young kid who, if you would have probably looked at you, you then you probably would have said, there's no way that you're going to end up being a youth pastor and in, in working with kids and, and look where you're at now and look at how, you know, how far God has, has used you. Amen. So, you know, I'll just, I'll just ask the, I'll ask maybe the, the other hard question, because obviously you're serving in youth ministry now. Um, has it ever been a concern for you that by sharing, like by sharing your story or telling about your background that you would, that some people would like in terms of entering into a ministry role that people would not receive you well? Absolutely. Um, uh, the guilt and shame aspect of, of what I've done uh, and what's been done to me and, and what that means in my life are, are ever looming. Um, it's really interesting. Uh, I, I had one pastorate. Uh, I had a couple part-times, but I had one full-time pastorate before Clinton frame. And uh, I won't dwell on that. Um, I'll, I'll just say it. I'm glad it's in the past. Mm-hmm. But the interview process here, so uh, I had a pretty nasty season of depression last year. And um, at the very bottom of it, just completely broken, I was able to cry out to God in very few words. I didn't have words, just emotions. I, I couldn't understand what I was thinking, but I just flung myself on him. And as I healed from that, um, I started to develop this idea like, Hey, I think maybe you had given up on ministry. You know, it's been five years. Maybe, maybe you shouldn't have done that. And the thought grew and grew. And finally it grew into this confidence. Like, yeah, absolutely. I I need to be doing what God called me to do. Mm -hmm. Um, so long story short, I, I threw a resume on a website and within two days I had six churches that were interested in hiring me we were looking at moving to Louisiana. That was the number one church. Um, Clinton frame was number six. (laughs) Yeah. What is this? No, I don't like Indiana. (laughs) I was raised, I was raised to hate Notre Dame even by my dad. So, So, um, but I prayed, uh, you know, I think of uh, Jesus begging God to to just take the cup from him uh, when he was praying in the garden and I, I tried to have that mindset, not my will, but yours. So I prayed that God would close doors. And one by one, they all started closing, whether it was a solid no or just being ghosted. Mm-hmm. Uh, that happened. Um, and finally, I, I get a call from this Clinton frame place <laughs> and they're interested in me. 
And it was not one interview, but two and then three and then four and then five and six interviews. And then I had to preach and get voted on on top of that. (laughs) Uh, But uh, at the time I thought, man, this is really rigorous. Why are they putting me through this? But I feel like they really got a solid sense of who I am. Um, I felt confident God wanted me to be honest about where I've come from, which I was from the Mm -hmm. beginning. Um, First, there was an informal meeting with a few students and maybe it was a search committee, I'm guessing. Um, But then the board and then some of the pastors and then there was a dinner thing. And um, yeah, it was it was kind of a horse and pony show. But (laughs) um, I appreciate that because I feel like I was known and wanted despite what was known about Mm -hmm. me. And, and that's how I knew for sure that this is where God wanted my family and I to land. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. It, it seems, you know, you know, I'm kind of, I'm, I'm kind of geared like you in a way of, you know, I'm when I hear like certain ministry professionals or anybody where they've got like a really squeaky clean story uh, <laughs> to share, uh, you know, in their interview process or, or, or whatever, like, you know, wherever their testimony is, you know, where, you know, the, the worst part of their testimony is like their, when they were farthest was from God was when they, you know, watched an R rated film for the first time. And, uh, you know, and I just have a hard time. Like I have a hard time with those folks. Right. Like I'm like, because I, and I wonder what you think about this. Like, you know, there is power in knowing what you're saved from. Mm. Um, there, there is something to be said about being aware. And I'm not saying go and go and make in this, hopefully no one hears me say this, but like, you know, go and make all kinds of really poor decisions and make a bunch of mistakes in life. And that's going to help give you a better testimony and a better understanding. But at the same time, it's like a life, a life that fully acknowledges, um, what living apart from God is like, and understands that and knows that to whatever extent uh, can happen can really empower you um, to live a life of purpose. And I, I just, I do get concerned when people, people uh, don't live vulnerable, don't live in a vulnerable way. Like you, like you have, because I, I think what that, what that does is it, it just, well, number one, it, it doesn't help them help other people. Um, like, like right now, as you're, as you're sharing, I'm thinking in my head, it's like, boy, I've got like two or three young people that I know could talk to you and that you would get them. Right. Absolutely. Where, and this is true. This is true for any of us, right? Like when we live, when we live a story that is honest and open and, and really like, doesn't, doesn't sensationalize the details, doesn't make it like some, you know, like the cool story that it isn't because all the things that happened to you, if you could choose again, you'd say, no, I'd prefer that not happen to me. You'd prefer that not happen to your sisters. You prefer that not happen to, you know, whoever, any young person. Right. Um, but it is part of your story. It's part of who, part of who you are. It's part of what's, what has formed you into the person that you are anyway. Um, it doesn't define you, but it, it is part of the story. And when you can share that story with other people, uh, and I'm sure you've experienced this. Like, I really think it creates a gateway for connection that could, that maybe wouldn't otherwise be there for people. Um, 
So it's like whenever I'm sharing my story and whenever Andy shares his story, we, we do so with the hope that someone goes, oh, I know someone that could like really, really find help with these people or, or they could really have a, a meaningful communal connection with them. And um, so that's why we want to encourage people. And that's what we talk about on the show. Like we want to form community around meaningful conversation and storytelling because first of all, guys are not always the greatest great at that like that's just a skill that we're always we're trying to develop number one um but uh man i want to i just want to cheer you on in this life that you're trying to live um because you're yeah i'm sure it's happened already but i guarantee you it's going to happen more you there are a lot of a lot of young people and, and others that will benefit and so just thank you for stepping and by the way, we're all because we're all under this kind of like conservative evangelical umbrella uh, where a lot of people um, experience a lot of harm when they are honest about their life. Yes. Um, and that is a shame and it needs to it needs to change and it needs to improve. And uh, I we can all be honest about that. Um, but uh, thanks for. Thank you for your willingness to to step yeah. forward and to to be vulnerable in a place where sometimes vulnerability will catch up to you in a really bad way. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, it's been awesome. Yeah. Before we let you go, though. Yes. Now it's time for the dudes and dads pop quiz. All right, guys. If you've never joined us for the pop quiz, this is going to be fun. <laughs> Uh, pop quiz is just a, yeah. Pop quiz is just a time that we are going to, uh, just ask you lots of questions that don't have anything to do with your story. So awesome. It'll get good. And I brought Eli in cause he's always good at asking these two. So Eli's in here with us tonight and, uh, we'll ask you some questions also. So Joel, do you want to start? Um, I'm looking, I'm pulling up my special pop quiz. I, I can, I can do it. I can, I can do it. You, I, I got you want to go? The, you want to be first? You feel feel free. I'm good. Go all, all right, all right, all right. So, Ian, if you could ask one person one question and they had to answer truthfully, who and what would you ask? Mm. And it can be serious. It can be funny. It can be whatever. I would like to ask the first guy that ever had a mullet. <laughs> What the heck he was thinking? <laughs> yes. <laughs> it's, a bold, it's a bold choice. It's a bold choice. It is. It is. All right, Joel, you ready? Okay. Ian, yeah, here we go. Um, what is something that you are great at cooking? Meat. Can you expound <laughs> on that? Like any kind of meat? Like, is it like yeah, well, spam yeah, what's, or what's, is what's, it? Okay. If we're talking greatness, I would have to say, uh, my my pulled pork, I smoke it for about 14 hours. Ooh. Okay, that's good. All right. Eli, you can ask the next, the next one. Give me a second. I'm trying to find it. All right. Well, uh, Joel, go ahead and ask another one. Eli's not quite ready. Or did we lose Joel? We might have just lost Joel. I blew him away with the meat. Coming. Yeah. <laughs> All right. We'll, we'll continue. We'll continue without Joel. Uh, let, me, let me see the cards real quick, Eli. All right. Um, what 
is your no i don't like that card <laughs> there are some cards in here that you're just like no i'm not gonna i'm not gonna ask that uh if you could be guaranteed uh one thing in life besides money what would it be contentedness oh contentedness that's a that's a good one it, why, why can you expand on that at all uh you're happy with where you're at you don't want anymore you don't need anymore yeah, that's true yeah good good thing all right, Eli, you got one for him? Hang on. <laughs> still, still no. <laughs> I want to find a good one. All right, well, I can... Oh, this is a good one. Uh, what was your first screen name? <laughs> if it's... <laughs> if you feel like sharing it. Uh, let's go with Mr. Sage. Okay. Oh, uh, yeah. Had a band when I was a kid, and it was called Sage. Awesome. All right, are you ready, Eli? Sure. Who are your heroes in real life? Uh, is, is it a cop-out to say Jesus? Yeah, like, you're asking the question. Is it? Is it? Nah. Uh, I would, I better give a shout out. Um, my wife. She deals with a lot of pain every day. Wives are our heroes. She, she's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. Um, all right. I got uh, one more question and then Eli can do one more question. Uh, what would be your best day ever? Mm. I would like to be at the beach and find pockets full of shark teeth, get just enough sunburn that it doesn't hurt for two weeks <laughs> and eat as much meat as possible. So it kind of, it kind of sounds like in Florida, when we were in Florida just a couple months ago, yes. uh, uh, it was the spouses and the pastors and spouses retreat. And I know you were on the beach. You were looking for shark teeth, and I don't know if you did meat. Got any meat or not? We had there. some good food. Yeah. All right. Yeah. All right. Uh, Eli, why don't you go ahead and ask the very last question for the dudes and dads pop quiz in this episode? What's your favorite thing you bought this year? Oh boy. I haven't bought much this year. Those shoes, those shoes that you bought in Florida I, were pretty you cool. You know what? I, I would have to say that is definitely my favorite. I bought a pair of uh, Pumas down in Florida, and they are about 14 different colors. They are, and they, I think, and they do they officially glow in the dark? They then? officially, I have pictures to prove it. That's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> love it. I love it. Um, so, um, someone's buzzing here. All right. <laughs> I thought it was me. Uh, well, we want to thank you for being on the show today. Uh, I know that if Joel was still here, he, you know, isn't it crappy hotel uh, internet is just not great. But so he wasn't able to join us. But thanks for for telling our, your story uh, to us. We really appreciated it. And uh, any final final thoughts before before we end this episode? No, it's just been great to share. And uh, I'd love to come back sometime. And I hope uh, if anyone has questions, uh, get them to me. Awesome. Well, we actually Joel came back. Joel's here. <laughs> Welcome back. <laughs> just in time. Maybe he's not actually there. Hold on. Oh, wait. Oh, wait. Oh, I got to bring him in. Hold on. Jared, there you are. Can you hear me? There I, okay. Oh, we're back. He's yeah, back. I can hear you. I can hear you. Yeah, awesome. uh, this is the part where I say uh, you can always uh, head over to dudes and dads podcast, uh, dot com for all the show notes, all the good things, and uh, dudes and dads podcast at gmail.com. Send us your show ideas, your reviews, your thoughts, uh, even harsh criticisms. We'll take a few of those if you want to see. <laughs> Just uh, a few. Awesome. Well, thanks again, guys, and good night.